welcome to this week's session of Spritz Personality, the podcast about philosophy, education, psychology, pop culture, and any other nonsense that pops into our heads along the way. I am Bob. I have been a teacher for over 10 years now, and I'm also a poet and a field novelist, so what we would call in Belfast a gobshite. And this beautiful chunk of salami beside me is Giovanni. Uh, beautiful, uh, I'm not so sure, but anyway, uh, so I'm a um, teacher, philosopher, um, and a podcast host, uh, that's, that's uh, pretty I much, I'm also a podcast that's host. really what I, my self-identification as a podcast host has now gone much beyond uh, <laughs> expectations of myself even. Uh, my self-respect is all is based on being a being a podcast host. <laughs> what are we going to talk about so, today? Well, the first session was uh, where we discussed kind of the idea for this collection of podcasts, where we're going to talk about rules in general. So last time we discussed the idea of do we need rules in schools? Do we need rules in the classroom? If we do, who should make them? And uh, what is the value of having rules in general as a kind of training ground for students becoming part of a society where they're going to be governed by all kinds of rules and laws? And over the next few sessions, then, we're going to talk about each of the rules that I have in my class. And we'll see how they hold up, if they hold up, philosophically. And so this time, we are going to be talking about the number one rule, which is we respect everyone. Number one rule or rule number one? It's rule number one. And, well, I suppose we should try to figure out, is it or should it be the the number one rule? Um, how important is it as a, a Well, according approach? to Kant, uh, and please... Be careful with your pronunciation of this philosopher. Uh, it uh-huh. could be it could be the number one rule, not just rule number one. Okay. Uh, so, so well, he says. Uh, well, he says so many things. I mean, uh, <laughs> um, there's a funny movie. Uh, there's a really funny movie in Italy where a guy is is dating this woman, and she says, "Oh, so you like reading? Ah, oh, so you read Plato? Uh, oh, you must have read The Republic." And the guy says. Yeah, a few pages. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to say exactly the same. Uh, I've read, uh, read a few pages of Kant. Yeah, a few pages. I think that's the same way people read Joyce. Oh, yeah, just a few pages. I've got uh, I've got Ulysses on the shelf there, but, uh, you know, after page four, it gets pretty fucking hard to keep up with yeah. what's going on. But no, he basically says that you should treat other people always as as uh, not only as means to an end, but as... as um, as ends in themselves. So yeah, he's uh, he, he's the sort of he's the main philosopher that brings this idea of respecting others, others having intrinsic value. And okay. I guess you could see him as I don't know if that's true, but I think you could see, probably see him as one of the first um, sort of inventors, if you like, of human rights and this idea that we're all equal in worth. And um, as you know, I'm. I'm going more and more towards old age. Uh, I bought a new car, and so I, I now believe that you know the right-wing values are more valuable than left-wing values, <laughs> as you know, Bob. I'm sorry to tell you live on on uh, this podcast, but yeah. So I don't really think we all have equal value. I think that some people have less value than others, and so you should teach students that you know they're not all the same, and that some don't deserve that. You shouldn't respect everybody the same way. Well, no, I'm joking. The, I'm joking. I'm joking. The, Default setting of the Italian is right wing, and then is it? Like, and then you like the tipex over <laughs> that that <What>? recent past. <laughs> Ma, would you, are you referring to Mussolini? Yeah. Okay. You know that that whole thing. Okay. No, but I mean, come on. Okay, so respecting other people. Okay, no, I I agree. I mean, yeah, uh, you have to respect other people, even if they're val- if they, for example, somebody's good at playing the violin and somebody's good at. At maths, you know, you, you clearly you can, you should, I think, teach the students not to belittle anyone who's, for example, bad at sports or bad at chatting or bad at whatever. So yeah, I, I don't think many teachers, not every teacher, does that. Uh, unfortunately, uh, some teachers 
kind of do like to to sort of tell other kids, look at this, you know, look at Mike, how good he is at this, or look at, and and it can it can backfire a bit. It, it can sort of, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Like I always have to try to remind my class that yes, this. Um, person might be great at maths they're always finished first they work quickly and they make no mistakes and that's great Mm -hmm. but also you have to remind that kid who's great at maths not to be arrogant about it when they finish Mm. first and get everything right because somebody is going to be the best at maths somebody's going to be better than you at art or at english or in italian or at football Mm. So you can't let your arrogance get the better of you because there is always going to be some field in which somebody is stronger than you. Oh, yeah. And that's where, I suppose that is what the respect that you're trying to instill. Yeah. It's like respect equated with control your arrogance. Yeah. Because the thing about respect... Control your arrogance is a good way to put it, yeah. Yeah, because I think respect often gets confused with fear. Mm. One of my favourite films is Goodfellas and very near the start of that uh, Henry makes a point that one day the one day the kids from the neighborhood carried my mother's shopping all the way home Mm. you know why they did it it was out of respect Mm. but I don't know in a gangster world they talk about respect a lot but I think their respect is actually fear yeah like you you should do that thing for me out of respect but oh, the subtext yeah. is you should do it for me because I you know I, I have intrinsic you, value. I can have you killed. I can. Have oh yeah, you, for them yeah. I can have you killed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we have to be sure that when we like when I tell the kids we should respect everyone when we when we write that that point in the agreement, I have to give them examples of what respect is. It's not it's not bow down to people because you're afraid of them. It's celebrate what you're good at. Celebrate what other people are good at and acknowledge that other people can be better than you at certain things and that's fine that's sort of what Kant is saying isn't it like that everybody has value and we recognize everybody's value yes definitely no but I I I, I will I will say maybe I will quote him at some point maybe but what I wanted to say from what you said just to get to get a bit of uh, um, disagreement out of you Maybe you said something about something like it shouldn't come out of anger. No, you said something like respect shouldn't come out of anger or shouldn't come out fear. Shouldn't come out of fear. Shouldn't come out of fear or resentment. There is this notion, and 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 now I'm really going full right wing. Uh, there is this notion that what what many on the intellectual dark web, uh, Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris, they're all talking about victimization okay so the left is playing the victim card so all this idea that you know oh i'm i i I, you have to understand all my problems all my troubles obviously the word victim culture is a loaded word okay so and the the interesting thing is that a, a good friend a very good friend of mine eduardo rialti recently wrote an article saying that even the right are doing that because he mentioned the fact that the right are always saying Ah, you know, these cultural Marxists, they're everywhere. Uh, or that, for example, Jordan Peterson or other right-wing people are saying, you know, in the universities, we're not allowed to speak. Uh, gender culture is everywhere. And, and then you look around and you've got, and I'm quoting nearly verbatim from my Italian friend, you've got Bolsonaro, Angela Merkel, Macron. Uh, you had Trump until the day before yesterday. You have Draghi in Italy. So the the right are everywhere. Boris Johnson. So yeah. stop playing the victims, guys. I mean, we are we the hegemony to quote Gramsci is on the right right now politically. The power Absolutely. is in the hand of the right. Yeah. Still, the right wing is still constantly playing the victim card which is strangely similar to what some on the left are doing as well, which is, and I'm here I'm showing my slightly right-wing approach, because uh, I've been listening to too much Sam Harris, is, is, that, <laughs> the, the, is that, the, that basically even the left are, are doing that, because if you have intrinsic value, okay, you do. The law has to respect you. However, you are not 
all we are not all equal in talent and some people yeah. deserve to rise not deserve but will rise to prominence uh, so it's strange how everybody now is 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 playing the victim on the left and on the right and just one last thing but i started a new job once and i was talking to my sister and i said blah 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 you know we had this meeting you know and uh, you know i you know i i i want i want them to respect me uh-huh. i said yeah my sister is as sisters often are uh, very direct and she's also she's also born and raised in florence mm-hmm. which is a place where people do not hide their behind uh, polite words uh, in, 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 they're, not, they're not hypocritical right. so she said uh, sorry uh, but that you'll have to deserve yeah so uh, and i was quiet for five minutes and i cried uh, in my bedroom <laughs> uh, so yeah she was right i mean you have to deserve it uh, she you is have right to, in a job context in a job con not con- contest but i sounded like i was saying contest in a job context and in, in a sense contest you have to deserve it anyway now i will shut yeah, up yeah so there is a certainly in the in the world whenever we are out in the world as adults the notion that you earn people's respect. I don't think you can argue with that. It is, it's slightly different, I think, the approach we expect adults to take than what you want to show children as an example of good um, good behaviour or positive contribution that they can make. Yeah. yeah. Let's, but hold, there was, hold on a fucking shitload there. So, yes, the right are doing the same identity politics and that idea of victimization that the left have been doing and it's ridiculous considering how much power the right have that's absolutely true the truth of social media i think has encouraged this kind of social trolling thing and also social hugging let's all hug each other how yeah. much I understand you, I hug you. Oh, I oh, I so much empathize with you. I will hug you. I hug you. You're just like me. Oh, but also, like I don't mind people. I have no problem with people saying they are whatever they think they are, and I respect everybody's right to do that. Where it rankles more for me is the right saying they're being constantly silenced by the left wing when the right are in power. Yeah. And they're telling everybody that they're being silenced on the news, yeah. on their podcasts, on their, um, you know, national <laughs> election campaign material. Which proves that they're not, because they're, they're there. Absolutely <laughs> not. They're, there. they're absolutely not. But it seems like they're exploiting what they see as a, a, a kind of strategy that works on the left, where the left dissolves into all of these huge amount of... It's like they're, it's like a lung, what do you call those, um, the bits that go into your lungs and they diverge and diverge and diverge. Ah, and yeah, diverge yeah, and diverge. yeah, bronchi in yes. Italian. Yes, the yeah. bronchioles, I think, in yeah. English. So the left uh, has all these diverge, divergences. Yeah, yeah. And then the, that occupies people's minds and conversation and time to look at all of the divergences and talk about the value of each and people prop each other up and support each other through all those different things. It looks to me like the right see that as something that encourages a sense of community when it's when it works well on the left. Mm. So they exploit that by saying, oh, well, nobody's listening to us. They keep telling us to shut up. So you should, the people who are right inclined, yeah. you should give us the same uh, kind of time that those people over there are giving each other. Yeah. And that's how you end up with, the, the right being in power and telling you on television that they're being silenced when they're clearly not being silenced. Of course. An interesting thing happened this week in the UK. Mm. They were having the by-elections. And just as you were talking about people, you know, crying about being silenced on their, their internationally recognised podcasts mm. or, or mm. news programmes, the Conservatives won a seat that has been a safe Labour seat for 62 years Okay, in this place, Hartlepool. Initially, people are blaming the Labour leader, Keir Starmer. I don't know how much you know about the figures in this. so Not I'll so much, it, but it's okay. I'll, I'll try to keep it straightforward enough. Yeah. So Keir Starmer is the leader of the Labour Party. 
Liber loses this seat, everybody says, look, Keir Starmer is an ineffective leader. Uh-huh. He doesn't know how to communicate with the grassroots supporters of the party. Yeah. There may be truth in that statement, but when you look at the election material and how people were swayed to vote Conservative in that area, the Conservatives lied uh. about the closure of a factory and some NHS resources and said that that was Labour's fault. And the voters wow. believe those lies when clearly it's the Conservatives' fault because they've been in power for the last 11 years. Yeah. But they told such effective lies that they took a secure 62-year-old seat away from that party. That's amazing. Labour do have problems in communication. The right clearly have no problems in communication because <laughs> no. they can lie blatantly to their voters' faces and win the seat. Unbelievable. It's like the bus, the, the, the Johnson's uh, NHS lie on, the, oh, on the bus. Yeah, I mean... It's like that one. It's so blatant. It's so in your face. And it shows... It shows such disrespect for the country. When you are prepared to come in on that big of a lie, Mamma mia. You're, the subtext of that is fuck you to everybody. If you just keep lying like that, when it's so clear that it's a lie, but you just keep going, that is the ultimate fuck you to mm. society. Isn't it, it is, really? it is. It's the end of everything. It's you saying, I would like to have power over you. And by the way, clearly I could not give a shit about you. Because I'm telling this massive blatant lie to your face. Like, it's, it's insane. It's very bad. So, I, I looked at the etymology of the word respecter. I um, found that it means regard um, and looking at, and literally, the act of looking back at one, uh, from, from the Latin, respicere, Looking back at, regard, consider, because re means back, and specere means look at. So, um, and, and the etymology, so I think that the etymology reminds us of a sense of reverence that is included in the idea of respect, and or even of a sense of tradition. And I would say that, well, I mean, I don't know if it's obvious anymore, or it's too obvious to say this, but politicians... Now, in the area, in the era of post-truth, mm-hmm. we have this idea that I'm entitled to my own facts. So before, there was a shared area, in, in theory at least, there was a shared arena of, of, of facts. And then you could have different opinions or different solutions. For example, how can we fix the economy? So a politician would win or lose an election. I'm trying. I'm imagining a golden age of politics that probably never existed. But <laughs> yes. more or less, more or less, you'd say, "I have this recipe. You have this recipe, and I'll win, and you'll I'll lose." What the story you told me makes me think that really that is a lack of respect towards the voters, but also towards the truth. Uh, oh, which yeah. is which is. I mean, we know that politicians lie, but I mean, it's how embarrassed you are. As you were saying, you know, now maybe it's that they're not even embarrassed anymore of, of, of uh, even if it gets pointed out that they they just say, yeah, probably it was a lie. You know, it's like yeah. it's that's 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 scary shit. And if that happens, then, you know, fuck me. I want you to go into the classroom with a stick and, 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 and hit on the head student. I mean, no, I don't actually want you to do that. But I mean, I want you to transmit a sense of, you know, we live in a democracy and truth matters words matter yeah and you 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 have you fucking have to respect someone for example if you say to some kid oh you know fuck you you're a fat bastard and and then they say oh, i was just joking you know how students do yeah. oh, i was just joking. Yeah. say no i mean it doesn't matter if you were joking. you you that is a word and you don't you don't use that word yes uh, so i i think we were i think we've got to be careful i mean with with where we're going because we might really soon end up in a, in a world where people literally don't think that the word truth means anything anymore. It could, it could happen. There's an idea that there's my, you know, I'm going to speak my truth and you speak your truth. That's fine when if, you're... If they mean to... opinion. If they mean opinion. If, they, if that's what they mean, it's okay. If, they well, just, if they're just using it in the wrong way. I but think when you start okay. using words wrong, then you start thinking wrong. That's the problem. No, I if agree. If it's just a synonym of opinion, I then yes. That words but it ain't are. a synonym of opinion. But if you're talking about, let's say, the, the rise of the 
the BLM movement or the them becoming more visible. Yeah, right? and yeah. The aftermath of what happened in America. Yeah, yeah. Those racial injustices have been there basically since the fucking foundation of the country. Right? Oh, yeah. They've always been there. But the the narrative of the country is told by the white oppressor. That's true. So when so when that's true. When a, a black American says, "Well, let me speak my truth." That's true. Yeah. Their their truth is a true experience. That's true. That is their life, which is ignored by the narrative of the ruling whites who want to sweep all of that injustice under the carpet, right? So in that case, when it's the when it's a minority oppressed because it's coming about, up as a new. Tr- Truth, yes. which is actually the truth, yeah. Because racism in America is has it's happened. The truth. So, but but initially, as you say, there's a movement in which you you begin by saying, "Let us say our truth," yeah. And then it eventually, hopefully, expands into the context of that is the truth of what yeah. happened. So, what I think the problem with the the problematic result of that is that. What, what I think generally happens is the right see things that are valuable on the left and exploit them as a way of um, watering them down and weakening them. Mm. So when an oppressed minority says, well, let me tell you my truth, mm. as opposed to the accepted narrative that our nation has. Yes. Then the right, that's a, that's a problem for the right, okay? Because you don't want all of these people telling their truth because... Mm it contradicts the narrative you're trying to put forward. Yes. So the way to the way to dilute that and make it less important mm. and less of a threat is to encourage everybody to say, okay, well, if you've got your truth and I've got my truth as well. <laughs> and so now I'm the That's white true. oppressor and now I'm going to tell you my truth. My truth <laughs> That's is that true. I am white, but I don't have a billion dollars like Bill Gates and Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. So... But- I am oppressed as well. That's true. And yeah. My story is as valuable as yours. And it's not. Which isn't true because no. you. Yeah, that's true. And so you know what I'm. You know what I'm saying. I get. You I get that. The, you yeah. Take the power I get. away from the 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 actual truth of yeah, what. Yeah. Let's say America because it's an easy example. Of course. You take away the power of the actual truth of that country's history by saying, "Hey." Why don't we all have our own truths? Exactly. Live, I mean, the fact that we live in a post-truth world is fucking amazing. That that's just become an accepted way to describe where we live. When I was growing up, I remember that fucking Tories were in power, uh, Maggie Thatcher, and it was an era of sleaze and scandal. Mm. Ministers were exposed doing all kinds of different things. Mm. Some forced to resign mm. because of the shame of it. Yeah. Nowadays... There is no shame yeah. in it. Yeah. And while I don't think politicians have ever... They've never been angels. They've never been angels. I no. don't think they've even ever completely respected the people who vote for them because what I saw growing up in Belfast under Margaret Thatcher yeah. and the Tories was that they didn't really respect all of their voters even. They certainly didn't respect the people who opposed them. I think they always see themselves as above everybody else. Mm. Right? Okay. They don't represent us. They're above us and rule us. Okay. Okay. I think what's happened now is that in this fucking insane label post-truth mm. world. That we yeah. Have, yeah. Yeah. They have less reason to show any kind of shame for the lies that they tell and the, the utter lack of respect that they show us. The fact that they are so blatant about disrespecting us. Do you not think that that's part of the reason why then on social media you have all of those divergences? Because in a sense, people are saying, if the people in charge Mm. so blatantly don't care about us, Mm. then we have to form our own communities and care for each other. Probably. So that's why you have all of these... Probably true. Probably true. Nobody else is going to... Nobody else cares, so we have to be there for each other. However, you could also argue that that's a possible explanation. However, you could also argue that the political class is a representation of the of the of the every of the normal people. Uh, so, if in Italy you have thirty percent of normal Italians are corrupt, there'll be thirty percent of it normal Italians or who are willing to do corrupt things. There'll be thirty percent of normal politicians. Who are willing to do th- those kind of things, 
if in Norway you have only 5% of people who are willing to do corrupt things, you'll only have 5% of politicians who are willing to do corrupt things. So it's more like a cultural thing. But it can, it can also be, as you say, that the, this social media, these bubbles of people hugging or huddling close to each other with their own truths is certainly also a reaction to the fact that power has, has been... Um, I don't know what, why. I mean, the, why, has, why is politics less... Mm, well, I mean, maybe we should even go back to the sixties. I don't know. Maybe the beginning of the content of the of the attacking politicians as uh, it started in the sixties. The, the idea that you know people have the power. You know, politicians should should go. They're all corrupt. You know, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's difficult to say. In general, I think young people don't give a shit about politics. Uh, they they consider politics to be absolutely ludicrous, uh, an absolute waste of time. I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think if you have, if you have the situation that we have now, and you're a sixteen, seventeen, eighteen year old, what what possible connection could you make to a politician? Like, I'm not sure that you can say the politicians are corrupt because they represent the people, and so that that percentage of people would be corrupt. I think the problem with them is that. They absolutely don't represent the majority of the people. They're not a reflection of them, but they still try to paint themselves as that's a man a, of the people. That's another, which is yeah, another, which is another layer of disrespect. Yeah. How can you possibly come from five generations of money and have, mm. you know, stately homes in your family, mm. rise rise the ranks in in politics, and still say? But really, guys, I'm one of you. Yeah, exactly. And you need to vote for me because the, the other guy's a monster. Exactly. But I, I understand you. Yeah, like, they, they all do that. It's terrible. None of them are nipping down to the desk bar to buy no. a pint of milk. No, no. You know, and that question, politicians used to always get asked things like that. You know, do you are you in touch with the people? Do you mm. know how much a, yeah, a, yeah. a pint of milk costs? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's preposterous if they don't know because of the existence of Google and all of the assistance that they have. <laughs> they certainly should at least lie <laughs> that they know by having somebody else find out for them. But that it, that that thing that hey guys, I'm one of you. I'm prepared to roll my sleeves up and get involved. Mm-hmm. No, they're absolutely not. They're absolutely not. Well, uh, a bit of philosophy, Bob. Shall we go into a bit of philosophy? Let's have some. So is my is my encouraging my children to say we respect everyone philosophically signed. Well, according te- to Kant, it is. Yeah, right? well, more or less. But I'll tell you also that my my very beloved, unfortunately not anymore with us, teacher in high school, said a very strong thing one day. He said. Respecting others is bullshit. Just respect yourselves. Uh, he was very outspoken, uh, my my high school teacher. Uh, but uh, he he was yeah. Sounds like he was. <laughs> he was yeah. He was. <laughs> uh, in Italian, did he, he said, use the word. Rispetto per gli altri è una stronzata. Rispettate voi stessi. Yeah, it's, it's very similar to bullshit. That's insane that you would even consider saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. He spoke, uh, or una cazzata, maybe, or like, yeah, it's something similar to that. But the, and I actually loved that sentence because I, I thought he was trying to cut through all the crap, the sort of sentimental, you know, oh, you know, I love my, I love everybody, you know, da, da, da. And I, I, I liked the, and clearly we don't love everybody, and Kant knew that. He said, you know, respecting everybody is necessary, but you don't necessarily love everybody. Uh, yeah. and, that, and that is a distinction that you can tr- try to transmit to a kid. And it's not easy because kids, and even adults, <laughs> tend to only respect those who, who they love. And even in a mafia family, or, 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 hate, or hate or fear, mm-hmm. you know, respect is, in, a, in a sense, is a, philosophically, is a detached vision of, of, of we all have equal worth, worth. so mm-hmm. I should respect Berlusconi, even if he's slimy, disgusting, fascist, or not even fascist, because he, he's even worse than that, or mafioso, <laughs> disgusting guy, I can, in a sense, I should still respect him as, as, a, as a means to, to an end, and as, 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 as a person who puts me ends in his life that aren't mine, but I can still respect his, anyway, whatever, anyway, what I was no, trying that to... that is interesting, though. Yeah, anyway, anyway, self-respect. What's self-respect? This philosopher, 
uh, on uh, the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy online. Very good, uh, very good, by the way. Shout out, shout out to them. Robin Dillon, she, she, is, she, she wrote the entry on respect. Self-respecting pe- persons regard certain forms, well, t- first of all, take their responsibilities seriously, uh, especially their responsibilities to live in accord with their dignity as persons, to govern themselves fittingly, it sounds very British, uh, and to make of themselves and their lives something they believe to be good. It's fucking, okay, yeah. fucking nice. And then the best part is, is nearly, I'm sorry, it's a bit long, but I'll get there. So self-respecting persons <laughs> regard certain forms of acting, thinking, desiring, and feeling. These are, philosophers tend to like lists, sorry for, for that, but it's not, I didn't write it, as befitting them as persons and other forms as self-debasing or shameful. Shame, there you go. Right, yeah. And they expect themselves to adhere to the former and avoid the latter. So John, Boris Johnson clearly has no self-respect if, or, or any other of his colleagues if he doesn't think that lying, clearly lying, and even being exposed for the lie is, is okay. Yeah. And then I like the, the, end, of, the end of the quote. Okay, the, people who, who have self-respect take care of themselves and seek to develop and use their talents and abilities in pursuit of their plans, projects, and goals. So even when you're telling a kid, you know, wash your hands, you, you, you know, it's, it's disgusting. The kid could say, oh, but it's not disgusting. I like having, uh, you know, mud on my hands. And you should say, well, no, but you should care that your hands are clean. You know, it, it's interesting how as a teacher, we sort of have to tell the students that certain things. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I have to finish the quote because it's the part that makes me laugh. Those who do not have self-respect are shameless uncontrolled, weak-willed, self-consciously sycophantic, chronically irresponsible, slothfully dependent, self-destructive, or unconcerned with the shape and direction of their lives. Okay, so anyway, That's good, uh, all those people, anyway, so obviously no, no one, nobody wants to be like that, but it's, I thought it was quite funny coming from a philosopher, uh, this thing that, yeah. So that list at the end, I mean, <laughs> it's hilarious. Pick a politician. It's there. It's perfect. Like a politician it's perfect. The list that applies. It's like, perfect. It is really. It is incredible. It's incredible how uh, definitely she has absolutely nailed them. So maybe maybe we respect everyone. Okay, we're kind of moving away from that. If we take her, what was her name again? Robin Dylan. Robin. Dillon. Robin Dylan. Yeah. I like that, Robin Dylan. You're right. We do have to. We do have to show the kids in the class an example, right? So I think there is something to... For example, you walk into the classroom dressed in a, in a certain way, or, or not so elegant, but normally quite a mediumly elegant, and also you prepare the lesson. Yeah. As if you start, you walk into the class and just chat uh, to the kids, uh, you know, like, like, like we do on our podcast, you know, without any preparation at all. Yeah. Uh, the kids uh, will, 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 will think, uh, oh, you know, he's an idiot. So, so they'll b- believe that uh, you can be an idiot. It's the same with parenting. It's the same thing with parenting. I mean, so you, you provide yeah, a lot. You're constantly setting an example as a parent. And as a teacher, I think. I think. Yeah, no, I'm t- I mean, you are... I, at the weekends, you're with Francesco the whole the whole time, night and day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I mean by constantly. When I'm a teacher, I'm do, setting that example from 8.20 till 4.30. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. But yeah, you do want to demonstrate. He sees me from dawn to dusk. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You constantly think, well, are you constantly thinking or do you get into, do you set a routine of the things you want to demonstrate to him as being self-respect can you go on autopilot or are you constantly thinking what am i transmitting now because i think when you're in the classroom it's easier for that conversation to go on in the back of your head because it's it's more like it's a a little bit more like acting yeah Yeah. i want to come across as confident prepared uh, open to questions yeah yeah. i'm not going to shut it down exactly not that i'm the oracle yeah yeah you, you want to put those things across in the lesson but I can switch that on, and then at four thirty I can switch it off. Yeah, and chill out completely. Chill out. Live, well, I mean, have a weekend that's utterly lacks any notion of self-respect as I lie about in a whiskey-fueled haze, you know, watching well, if you... whatever I whatever I choose to watch on the internet. Well, what happens? Absolutely none of your business. But what happens? I won't ask you. 
But what happens if the students walk into the whiskey bar over that they won't walk oh, into it? Because you teach elementary school. school. So That's I'm, an advantage. I'm seeing ah, yeah, okay. I'm never likely to bump into one of my students in a bar or a club, thankfully. But yeah, so, so you want to know if I have a sort of agenda to show yeah, my son, uh, I have a, do I have an agenda like, today I'll show him how to do these things, like... How yeah. to clean up are the you kitchen. Think, yeah, are you thinking about those things? Do you I probably should at least have a conversation before Francesco comes along of like mm. what kind of parents are we gonna be like yeah. what sort of what sort of things what sort of values do we want to instill in them? How do we want well. them to respect themselves? Did you have that conversation? Does it apply? Or did you have the conversation and everything you thought you would do mm. is now different? Mm. Or do you not have the conversation and just deal with things as they arise well i can tell you a, f a couple of funny things for example martin friedman freeman the uh, one who did the actor who did bilbo uh in in the lord of the rings but also oh, in the but also in the office yeah. and also in the sherlock holmes with benedict cumberbatch yeah that guy he's just done a good tv i i saw the trailer it was fucking hilarious because he basically shows how real parenting is so and it, there's a scene where he opens the door it's actually called Breeders. It's the title of the TV oh, show. Yeah, I've it's heard Breeders. Of it. I've heard of it. I haven't watched so he it. So like, he like kicks the door open and says, can you shut the fuck up? Like this. <laughs> and the kids are like four years old or five years old. And they like look at him and, and they sort of, okay. Uh, so like, and, and then he closes the door and realizes, oh my God, I just sweared in front of my kids. So yeah, so a bad thing I do, for example, is I swear too much. Yeah. Uh, and and Elisa tells me that I I, uh, I mustn't do that. And are you I, swearing in both languages, or is he just getting it in Italian? Only in Italian. Okay. Uh, so his he, English is more pristine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in Italian. And then he. What other things do I do? Sometimes I I or well, swearing that in front of him. Let me think. Other negative things. Well, I'm better at it. I used to look at my phone too often. And so yeah. he realized, and, and he would become more more addicted to the iPad and playing games because mm -hmm. he would imitate the fact that he saw me with my phone. But now I've got quite better at that. Yeah. And I think what else would Elisa say? Probably she would say that I sometimes raise my voice too much. So you know, I start, you know, or or I get too anxious about. Okay, now we have to go, you know, it's not that I yell at him, but I say like, okay, now we have to really go out, uh, do this, blah, blah, and he's, he sort of starts saying, ah, and because oh, he, right. he hears that, he doesn't hear the words, but he hears the tone, the tone rises. and so yeah. when, so, and Elisa says, if you speak quietly to him, he will be a quiet kid. Yeah. If you go like that, all mo yeah. Italian mode or whatever mode you want to call it, he will, <laughs> he will pick up. He will pick up the, that that kind of excitement. And she's fucking right. He yeah. he, he he is a sponge. Mm -hmm. He absorbs. And I think in a classroom, it's very similar. A, a teacher who starts yeah, screaming absolutely. will absolutely. have a screaming classroom. A teacher who is so confident that he can with one word, get students to sit down and be quiet or just yeah. clicking his fingers. And I've never been able to become so confident is, as a teacher at least, uh, but I'm, I'm working on it, that that is also going to be reflected. Yeah, one of the things that I worked very hard to do is to try to have a soft, calm voice for the classroom. But you do anyway. It's, so, it's easy for you. You're not yeah. Italian. You're not Italian. But you're Your right, voice like I, is I calm. I don't want to. I don't want them to see and hear me whipping myself up into a frenzy because that's not what I want to see reflected back at me from those twenty or thirty kids sitting in front of me. I do sometimes, you know, see myself not losing control. But you know, if we've had an interest in conversation in a lesson and time has got away from me, mm, mm. there are a few points in the day like we have to be. Because of the COVID rules, the classes have to be at the lunchroom at a certain time. Okay. Because there's a process where, follow. you know, year groups have to be in at a certain time so they can be out, so the next year group can be in, so they can be out for the next year group. So there's a time constraint on that. And at the end of the day as well, I don't want the parents to be standing around waiting for ages and ages. Yeah. Because yeah. that looks like I'm disorganized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I'm having a an interesting conversation with the, the class about something, time will get away from me. And then I do find myself 
occasionally at lunch times or at the end of the day, stand and go, right, come on, come on, it's time to get lined up, come on, we've got to go, let's move, let's move. Yeah, yeah. Those are the times when I see them becoming frenzied. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I have to remember to manage my time. Yeah. Always remember to manage my time, that's important as a teacher. But then, it is fine to go off script and have conversations with them about things that you weren't expecting to. Oh, yeah, some of the better ones, I would rather the best be, ones are those ones. Exactly, and I'd rather be a little bit late to lunch or I'd rather be five minutes late to the parents at the end of the day if it's because we had an interesting conversation because that also helps me to see how the, the class are, are growing and how their mm-hmm. interest, how their focus works, how they formulate questions, which is especially important in international school when I'm working with Italian kids mm. who are learning mostly in English yes trying yes. to reflect that English back at me if I've got three minutes till we have to pack up and leave and somebody says as happened mm. on, fr- on Friday morning we're talking uh, we're reading a book uh, called Kensuke's Kingdom mm. by Michael Morcargo who wrote War Horse yes and there's a part in the book where the the character Kensuke is talking about his life and why he stayed on this island. Yeah. And it's because he was conscripted into the Japanese army. Yeah. On a warship, working as a doctor. The ship gets bombed by Americans. And he hears on the radio, as oh. the ship is drifting through the sea, that the Americans have dropped the bomb on oh. Nagasaki. Oh, okay. And his fam- he was from Nagasaki. Oh, wow. So he hears the Americans saying, everyone's dead in Nagasaki. Oh, wow. And so he oh. assumes that his wife and child are dead and all his family and friends. And so he decides that he hates people now. And that's why he stayed on this island for years wow. and years. He never wanted to return to what we would call society because he felt like people are absolutely awful because they can do this to each other. So he stays on the island. So then the kids are asking, like, but why do people have war? Like, why would that's they drop the bomb? Why would they not make the easy, bomb? I can't easy, say. That's not an easy um, we're not talking about that because we have to get to the snack room. <laughs> it's not an easy question. It's not an easy question, but then I thought it was fine to say, to have the conversation with them. That's not an easy question, but, you know, what do you think? Like, why do you think people might do this? And yeah, we ended up having a very interesting conversation about how, like, violence can escalate and escalate and escalate. And then I suppose the reasoning behind dropping the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki was that you needed a bold, big statement yeah. that would make everybody stop. Stop. Yeah. yeah. And on the one hand, it worked. Oh yeah. Because Japan it surrendered thereafter. Yeah. But you know how many people died instantly? Yeah. And then yeah. how many people died in the months afterwards from radiation poisoning? Yeah. You know, so in a in a way. It's touching, it's reassuring to see the innocence that they have where they're just like, but why would people start a war in the first place then? Why would you not just talk about but it? That which is good because it means that they're internalizing my rules, which is you shouldn't hit each other, exactly. talk through your problems. Their solution yeah. to war is, yeah. why couldn't they just talk about it? It's very touching. And I, I would add that it, the reason why it's interesting and touching is that on TV, they see war and they see violence, and they see it in cartoons. People are launching missiles all the time. So what you are able to do as a teacher is to show them what they already see in a new way to make it a problem. It, you transform something that it's not... They've, they already play you know, war games, even on their yeah. computer. Yeah. Some of them probably actually already have done that. these first-person shoot, yeah. shoot them all. But the, with the way that you are able to paradoxically re-innocentize re, re them, I don't know if yeah. you can say that, is that is a great skill. It's, it's what essentially is, uh, philosophy should do, I think, it's, it, with adults even, to make questions that seem obvious, things that we all should in a sense know, wait, wait a minute, we don't know what they are and why the, the, the hell do we have uh, you know, beauty, uh, justice, uh, freedom, and all these big philosophical mm-hmm. ideas, or violence in this case, or war. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like I like teaching really because I like to make kids a more. I teach more high school kids, but I like to see how they are not, in a sense, innocent anymore because of the internet, because of this, because of that. But in an, in another sense, conceptually, they are. They don't have the tools to 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 
to understand anything. Yes. So from that point of view, they are innocent. Yeah. They know a lot of things. Excuse me. They have a lot of information about things, but they know nothing. Yeah. You know? And that's a big difference between yeah, the information and mm. in no knowledge. Knowledge is my grandfather who saw a Nazi knocking at his door. As a fiction, rather fi fictional example. That's knowledge. Mm -hmm. Information is, ah, oh, yeah, there were the Nazis. Yeah. That's information. Yeah. Knowledge is, I saw a, a Nazi walking along the street. That's knowledge. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so you, as teacher, can't just bring information. You have no. to bring knowledge. In my first school, I worked with a um, philosophy for children program they were ah. trialing it so yeah, yeah yeah i've done a little bit of work on that i mean a lot of years ago now uh -huh. but one of the things i liked most about it was when we were talking as the teaching staff together about how it was going like when the kids ask me questions about stuff like that it's fine to explain what i think but before explaining what i think it's always I always like to say, well, why do you think, mm. or what do you think about that? Yeah. Like, whatever you ask me, she says, why do we have, why, why are there wars? Why do you think there are wars? Yeah, that's very important. Why? That's a very important strategy. Yeah. There's no point in me saying, you say, why do we have wars, and I say, well, because. Because um, you're closing the question down. Yeah. Most of the time, men are in charge, and they can't control their emotions. Ironically, even though <laughs> that's what they say about women, as the stereotype. It's men who are in charge, and they can't stand having their ego slighted, so that's why we have wars. And also, they need oil for their big cars. Yeah. Or whatever. You could give all the explanations you wanted, but, it's but you have to start to hear yeah. from them. Start with, why do you think, yeah. What? That's, to bring it back to respect, like, that, I think, demonstrates that I respect myself because I'm absolutely aware of the fact that I should not be there to just tell them everything. Uh, as their teacher, my job is not to tell them everything. It's to teach them how to think oh, yeah. about things to find the answers. I think a oh, teacher yeah. who lacks self-respect and, and didn't demonstrate respect for their children would be the one who goes in and just tells them everything. Oh, yeah. This is how you do it. That's what the answer is. Move on. I always see them as little people who will in no time be in charge oh yeah so oh, you yeah. have to let them as early as possible start to think for themselves and start to try to answer their own questions you want them to definitely come up with questions but learn that you come up with a question and then sit in it for a while and think about it don't just look for me to tell you the answer and the thing you're talking about with the older kids and this proliferation of information mm -hmm. The internet, the world, is at your fingertips. Mm, mm. You know, the entire history of the world is literally at your fingertips. Mm. But also at your fingertips is the huge amount of horseshit yeah. that's on the internet. Yeah, yeah. That information, you need to learn how to disseminate oh, yeah. or how to distinguish the useful from the absolutely unuseful. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a really important thing to, that, to that, learn. That, when they are, they asked him, I read this before I was half quoting, I didn't actually quote him, but I was thinking of Umberto Eco. When they asked Umberto Eco, what's the difference between knowledge and information? He said, knowledge is what allows you to understand which information is valid and which isn't. Ah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's what not, I, if I know, if, I, if I'm looking for a car on the internet, I'm lost. I have, it's, for me, it's just information. I'm just inundated with information about cars. And yeah. it's, they all look amazing. They all look great. I have no idea which car is good, which car is bullshit. If I know a little bit about Jung, then when I go on the internet and I'm looking for stuff on Jung, I can immediately understand which websites are shit. And, I, and from the ones that are good, I can extract some interesting additional things about Jung that I didn't know. Yeah. But I can, I, so it's just the fact that I've read Jung and I, I know a little bit about him that makes... Ma makes me able to sift. Is that the right word? Yes. Can you say indeed. sift? sift. It's like yeah. a sieve, no? Mm -hmm. Sift. To sift what's good from what ain't, and instead, uh, otherwise, it's for me. It's just info. Info. Um, as I had to buy this new car, and I just asked my uh, Elisa's dad to just to, to, to tell us which was a good car, because yeah. literally, if I had gone on the web. I would have, you know, probably bought some Ferrari or, or some completely bullshit <laughs> or fake, uh, you know, because it, it's just not stuff that I'm knowledgeable about. Yeah. And he can read the information because he's got the knowledge. Mm -hmm. He can see what 
in those numbers what is hidden behind those numbers. Yes. And I would just look, oh, that's got higher numbers, so maybe it's better. <laughs> and maybe it's not, because maybe it means the consumption of petrol is higher, yeah. you know, which is the, yeah. what you want is lower. So, you know, it's, it's just ridiculous. I was getting too touched, uh, the image of you showing your students how to think and everything. So I was trying to find a way to insult you. Uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't find it, uh, so I just basically changed the topic. Uh, I, was, I was trying to think if I could say something uh, really insulting, uh, but I can't. I can't think of anything. Uh, you can blame that on the fact that you were trying to do it in Italian. Yeah, I was, was too, I was too, I was in a rapture state, Bob, while you were talking. <laughs> a rapture state. I was feeling like I was wanted to become a kid again and, and come into your classroom and listen <laughs> to what you had to say and everything, which is why I always want to talk to you. Um, the difference between knowledge and information is interesting, though, because it just reminded me of a, a, a podcast that I was listening to with Tom Segura, ah. um, where they were talking about sports fans and sports fans who turn out to be trolls uh. on the internet you know so uh. it's one thing for you to sit and watch a game with your friends and you know enjoying the game and yeah. shouting your criticisms and encouragements yeah at the tv which basically is why i don't like sports because i grew up with my dad doing that through my entire childhood but it's an entirely different thing when you are the sort of person who takes to social media and adds to that proliferation of information with abuse directed at that player ah. because they did something that you didn't oh, really have, you know i mean they get all i suppose any any famous person any person who has any kind of talent or fame gets Haters. extreme hit uh, yeah on social media the sports thing came back to my mind i think because you were talking about knowledge and information and the the difference being the experience mm. the big guy saying the quarterback should contract cancer and die horribly and he hopes mm. his family all die is a guy who has some information about the sport because he's watched a lot of it but absolutely no knowledge no knowledge like. no knowledge to be in that high pressure situation and and he thinks oh i'm all, strong yeah. so i could be i could punch the yeah guy. if i was there what i would have did was oh like, yeah well, they're on. always uh, you weigh 400 pounds and haven't run in the last 20 years of your life <laughs> why are you wishing death on him because you think you would have done better in the situation yeah joe rogan yeah. does some funny comments on on people commenting on on ufc oh, uh, yeah. situations where people would say you know i could kick his ass and 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 they have no idea of how athlete <laughs> the level of training that those athletes have yeah even if you only see them give one punch in, in the whole thing, yeah. What behind that punch? There's a whole history of, of training and yeah. And and you can land a punch in a pub brawl <laughs> once, uh, yeah. but it would have it will have much less effect. Uh, yeah. It would be like a scratch on the face of of, mm -hmm. of Conor McGregor. Yes. Maybe you could hurt somebody who's equally not an expert like you. Yeah, exactly. On the face of Conor McGregor, it would be a tiny scratch. Yeah. Instead, the kind of energy, all the body of his, all the strength of Conor McGregor's body from the toes to the fingers mm -hmm. is in that punch. Yeah. So he instantly kills you. Yeah. If not, I'm not exaggerating. I mean, if, if he punches you with the intention of killing you, he can do it. Yeah. He can smash your brains out. Because that's what his training has taught him to do. So even a normal marine, the American marines can do it. Yeah, but, there's the... It's, but it's that's the something that I don't know how to do. It's just not a skill that, you know, many people... But when you're looking at it on TV, ah, I would have I would have given him a le upper hook or, yeah. a le or even in football, you know, he I'm should have passed the ball. The, the engagement with it on that level is fine. I'm not saying that if you, with your if friends, you don't if you're play in, the sport, you shouldn't in, ever comment. No, if you're no, with it's your nice friends, to comment if you're in a living room with your friends. Yeah. What I'm saying is, because we talked about the social media and this earlier, it's a, an entirely different and um, laughable thing for you to contact that person directly on Twitter and say, you're an absolute asshole because you fumbled that pass. I would have done better. You know, you should kill yourself. Like, that's absolutely insane. A guy did, a Colombian football player did actually kill himself. Because uh, he, 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 during the World Cup a few years ago, he, he, he did an own goal. 
Uh, yeah. and, and he got so much criticism that he got, he was he or, or I don't know if he was a goalkeeper that didn't save the goal or a, yeah, or a that defender. Rings a bell. That rings a bell. In the seventies or eighties, he literally killed himself. No, or, or actually, I'm getting confused. He was killed. Yeah, well, that's he what was, I was going to say. He, he was, was killed. killed. He was killed. He was killed because he got he got he got the ball wrong or something. Yeah, he yeah. got the ball wrong. But you can definitely tell that we're two sportsmen. You <laughs> don't say get the ball wrong. He got he the kicked, ball wrong. He kicked the ball wrong. Something like that. He kicked it in the wrong. wrong or didn't save a shot on goal. Something like that. Something. But then I think there's a when you're talking about South American countries, you know, was it because the was he killed because people thought that he had. You know, humiliated, humiliated the nation. Humiliated the nation, or was it because there was a drug? It could be who had yeah. a lot of money it, on a, yeah, a gambling ring. <laughs> I'm, I'm worried that that's. It's probably that one. It's. I'm, I'm worried that it's probably that one. There is something still that I don't like about this word. Uh, we hear. I hear when I worked in the Italian school system. You do hear these old women, often uh, unmarried, uh, who say. I ragazzi devono imparare il rispetto. You know, kids have to learn to respect other people and or respect the rules. Uh, and then you see them at the at the teachers' meeting, gossiping with her colleagues all the time. And you know, so so you know, they're they're not good role models. I mean, the kid they they talk, they fill their mouths with respect, respect, but they don't actually represent. Yeah, there is something in that. Is it something like strange about the word? About something strange about the word. Showing respect, show and demonstrating self-respect by being prepared, being presentable, being even, humble, being humble. Yeah, yeah, and even showing the kids that how you engage in relationships with the other members of staff in the school. You know, so they should see me be cordial to the other teachers. Yeah, they have to I see that. Because I want them to be cordial. If they, they don't see, see that. Me. Yeah. How is that going to transmit to them? How is that going to... There's something... I mean, the staff room, I think, should be something of a safe haven because the the truth is that teaching can be a very stressful job. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. are going to have situations where they confound yeah. your expectations. Oh, yeah. That's what the staff room is for. You can sit in there and go, holy shit. Yeah, but at least they, in the corridor. No, not in the, the corridor. That's the yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They shouldn't, they shouldn't be hearing you have those conversations. That's not to say teachers shouldn't have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Because I'm still You need having, to let the steam out. I'm having the conversation with the other teachers that work with the classes we teach. We are saying, holy shit. Oh, yeah, sometimes. How can they still not line up properly? Oh, yeah, sometimes. Why is it still taking five minutes for them to line up? Sometimes you need you? those moments. Is it the same when you have them? Yes, oh, my God, this is incredible. Yeah, What yeah. is the problem? Sometimes you need that. So but when you're in never, the corridor... Yeah, they should never hear us no, saying no. that. They should never hear us talking negatively about anybody else because that's that's not demonstrating what you want them to do, exactly. to grow up to be. But it does happen. You know, I've, I've worked with teachers who are indiscreet. Mm, mm. They can get so caught up in telling you a funny anecdote about some disaster that they had in class that they don't, mm. don't notice that... Kids are, listening. Kids are approaching or listening mm. or, you know, so that's like staff rooms are very important as a safe haven for you to vent so that you can still present self-respect when you're in front of the kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, know, agree. The, I agree. The release valve is important. So just before we wrap things up and I want to just get some clarity on the conclusions that we've come to. I think it's important to say thanks so much to everybody for listening to the first session, for getting in touch, for the the great feedback, the messages, the photographs, the photographs of Wait a minute, dogs. wait a minute, wait a minute, Bob, they're sending you photographs. Yeah, I'm getting all they know They know that I have a, a wife and kids, so exactly. nobody's sending pictures to me. No, I'm getting all of the naked pictures DM to me. Um, I saw one of a dog listening to our podcast, so that I'm, I, I'm not jealous about. That's. I hope, you're I, not, that. I hope you're not getting other pictures. No, and if I was, I certainly wouldn't admit to it. Um, okay, okay. On the very off chance that my wife listens to this, which I don't okay. she ever will. Okay. Of course, I will deny being sent naked pictures by crazed fans okay 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 already (laughs) pledging their allegiance to us no i just think you know we have talked about doing something like this for such a long time 
we eventually got around to doing it. I was excited to put the first episode out because I really enjoyed it so much recording it, the chat that we had about it. So it's just really encouraging that people are being uh, positive in their feedback, but also that people are um, actually getting in touch. I think that's fantastic. It is indeed. And you have uh, done an amazing uh, social media, gone out into the wilderness uh, <laughs> to find uh, fellow independent podcasters who we salute. Absolutely. Uh, who, are, yeah. who, who are there uh, fighting uh, we, we, to, to take down Joe Rogan, uh, <laughs> just like we are. Uh, and but not not in martial arts. In no, martial arts, uh, I don't want to. I, I can't take him down. He's a, he may be an old man, but uh, no, no, I still think he's he can do significantly more <laughs> capable than we are. We started with the rule: we respect everyone. I think through the course of the conversation, actually, that rule would be, or the the point on the agreement, the statement on the agreement, would be better stated as. We respect ourselves. Why not? Let's change it. I think we respect ourselves. Let's is, is change it. Let's change because we... ourselves has an interesting inclusive because that plural can mean ourselves as in our as a group, but it also has that twist as in me. Yeah. So ourselves has that nice you, ambiguity. What you said um, from Robin Dillon actually, it is important that we that we teach the the children that it is important to have self-respect and what self-respect means because if you have if you have that self-respect then then you respect others <laughs> you respect others that's the basic yeah, yeah that's so the bottom line you need to stress that you look after yourself and then yourself is part of the society because what you said about Berlusconi was interesting if I say we respect everyone then how do I explain what we do with, not specifically Berlusconi, but, you know, that the archetype that he represents, uh -huh, of that, uh -huh. corrupt, that corrupt person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we respect ourselves, then we don't have to be, I don't have to worry about saying to them, well, yeah, I mean, we acknowledge that that's not what you want to be, but you should still respect that. Yeah, you that's wind a, up. That's a confusing you, area. You get confused. You yeah. respect his right to be that, even though you shouldn't want to be that. Exactly. is a confusing thing. It's so too confusing. I think next year, next September with my new class, we will work our way around to we respect ourselves. Well, that's so lovely. You you have philosophized me wow. into changing wow. my goddamn mind. Wow, unbelievable. That's more than I could ever have hoped from the most useless of all degrees. <laughs> uh, and... Um, I even I even read a guy on Twitter saying, ah, uh, people, huh, I hate people who call themselves philosophers just because they have a degree in philosophy. Fuck you! I'll never earn anything. I have a, a humiliating position in society. At least let me call myself a philosopher. That's the only thing I've got. Well, Why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't I? If okay. I've done a singing school, I can call myself a singer. Of course yeah. I'm not... Aretha Franklin, but I can call myself a singer. I'm not Aristotle, but I, I have a degree in philosophy, so I can I'm call myself a philosopher. Oh, Why shouldn't I? Don't do yourself I, down. Not only do you have the degree in philosophy, you have a degree in philosophy and you have a philosophical text published by uh, that's uh, true. a well-respected publishing company. That's true. You're not somebody who got a philosophy degree that's true. That's because true. you couldn't be bothered thinking of anything else. That's you know, true. just that's sits true. in bars telling people, that's hey, true. Do, you know, do you want to know anything about Kant? That, you know, <laughs> that's true. You're but, not that. Yeah, that's true. But so I think fuck even... fuck that guy. But anyway, not fuck I, that guy and why can't I call myself one. Fuck that guy. Has he published a book? I doubt it. Exactly. I doubt it. But maybe he was, he was, he was being... Uh, uh, actually, uh, I would, uh, I'd like to add another interesting thing that makes me think that we're going to be talking for three hours, but it is quite, <laughs> it is quite funny. A guy said... Some people, and this guy was, it was very interesting what he said. Some people on internet say, yeah. uh, some people say uh, that you have to, uh, they, they don't like to be called, even if they have a doctorate, they don't like to be called doctor. Mm -hmm. uh, they just, oh, just call me Mike or just call me whatever. And this guy said, you know, for some people who come from very low back, from very low 
origin, you know, like working, working class, yeah. sometimes to have that title is the only thing they've got. So don't belittle the title. You know, you can say, don't call me doctor, just because you're so used to being important and having entitlement that you don't need it anymore. You feel yeah. you're superior to that. But for some people, that title really does mean a lot. Yeah. So fucking respect that title. Just exactly. like shoes. I respect my shoes, especially because some pe people don't have shoes. So I have to treasure my shoes and respect them. So we're going back to respect again. Yeah. Uh, next time we listen to each other is going to be rule number two. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I enjoy talking to you very much. Uh, and maybe you I will too. change your mind again. Uh, on, on this one yeah, too we'll see all your rules will be completely uh, mixed up and fucked up and your students will become like an anarchic chaos I'll become a better teacher and if you want to email us or tweet us uh, any thoughts you have on that rule as a concept or any questions that you think we should address in the next session please feel free to get in touch we love to hear from you so that's our time and we will see you for the next session of Spritz Personality. Thanks very much, Gio. Thank you, Bob, and thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye. personality at gmail.com s-p-r-i-t-z personality at gmail we are on twitter at spritzpersonal1 or you can search spritzpersonality and instagram is spritzpersonality personality.